Good evening, world. This is the podcast, Sassafras, and your host, S. Laura Cattell. Welcome back. We are dissecting and going over and discussing the book Manifesting Change, It Couldn't Be Easier, by Mike Dooley, one of the featured teachers on The Secret, and coincidentally was called uh, quite, a ni- quite some nice things. So, just a quote about Mr. Dooley way back when. Having been a fan of the so-called big boys, Tony Robbins, Wayne Dyer, Earl Nightingale, et al., I came away with the realization that Dooley is the most literate and professorial of them all. Roger Yale, Los Angeles Entertainment Today. Way back in 2000, whatever this was. What was this book again? Let's see. 2010. So way back in 2010, that is what Roger Yale of Los Angeles Entertainment Today was saying about him. (laughs) It's been a solid decade now. Oh, that makes me feel so old. Okay, so we left off yesterday on summoning, or getting ready to start the subchapter, Summoning Abundance. And before we got there, we went over quite a few uh, interesting pieces of context and perspective. One perspective was, or one piece of context was, your perspective greatly affects what you manifest. He used the analogy of uh, taking a flight for your dream vacation. Where did you end up picturing yourself on that flight? Did you picture yourself in coach, business, or first class? Or did you even imagine maybe you took a private jet? Did you see yourself in coach? You bet you you saw yourself in coach. And then we went over uh, the example of wanting to lose weight and how perspective, just to, sh- just to show how powerful perspective can be, if you're, and um, illustrates what he calls playing both sides against the middle. So if your only action were to buy the low-fat, low-calorie diet, everything, this would end up perpetuating your condition because every purchase And every time you ate, you'd be screaming to the universe, I have a weight problem. To which the universe replies, yes, I heard you the first 700 times. You got it. Alright. And the way he describes playing both sides against the middle is thus. Behave conventionally, in in regards to eating, uh, losing your weight, but you can apply this to anything. Behave conventionally by watching what you eat and choosing wisely, conservatively, and carefully. But also splurge with behavior that reinforces the notion that you have already achieved success. So I'm going to repeat that one more time. Behave conventionally, choose wisely, conservatively, and carefully but also splurge with behavior that reinforces the notion that you have already achieved success. And the example that he uses is if you love chocolate cake and you occasionally go out for a meal at a nice restaurant that has chocolate cake on the menu, go ahead and get yourself a slice of chocolate cake. 
because a real you that was already at the weight that you loved and were doing everything properly and you were choosing wisely and you were exercising regularly and you were taking care of yourself, that person wouldn't feel guilty about having a piece of their most beloved dessert. But you don't go and eat the entire cake. Right? You have a slice. Alright. So, we are going to get into summoning abundance, and usually that's everybody's top money ticker, or some top manifestation ticker besides losing weight. So, by occasionally, so I'm going to recap that one just real quick. By occasionally acting outside of the norm, you'll literally install new beliefs as your behavior alerts the universe, life's magic, and your inner witness that things are changing. If you repeatedly change your behavior, such as how you window shop for the skinnier, slimmer you, while also watching what you eat and choosing words that serve you, look out, world. So we're going to get into summoning abundance on the heels of that. And we'll probably also get to increasing trust in a relationship. So we'll see. We'll see. Before I get any farther, my shout out to the restaurant industry, all my guys and gals out there in Foodland. Thank you for all you do, all the nights you sacrificed, all the holidays, weekends, time with friends, birthdays, important events, anniversaries that you've been scolded for. Sometimes it feels like it's thankless, so thank you. And if you're feeling overwhelmed and you don't see a way out, I'm begging you, there is a way out. You can't see it when you're that upset or overwhelmed. Take a pause, take a break, take a breath, take a shower, take a bath, take a walk. But please don't give up. Please, please, please don't give up. Okay. So, summoning abundance. If you've got money, and you're hoarding it all for a rainy day, or if you're looking at the stock market and what the world economy is doing, and you're basing all of your behavior on these illusions. This does not speak well of your belief in the inevitable arrival of great avalanches of abundance rushing toward you, now does it. Splurge here and there, assuming you've got enough money for small indulgences. Excuse me. I'm going to say that one again because I... I certainly, so splurge here and there, Assuming you've got enough money for small indulgences. But, to repeat a bit of advice from Infinite Possibilities, never spend money you don't have. With credit cards, for example, if you can't readily pay it off. It simply isn't necessary. As the number of things that you can do to demonstrate faith is infinite, and most require no expenditures whatsoever. I caught myself basing my behavior solely on, solely on physical circumstances while I was booking a flight to Atlanta, Georgia on my first world tour seven years ago. During the tour, I had flown virtually everywhere first class, the first time I had ever done so in my life. My speaking date in Atlanta was coming up, and two weeks before, I found out there were only six people signed up to attend this five-hour program. 
I lamented, dang, six people? It's hardly worth going. But of course, I wasn't going to back out. When I started to price flights, I found it would cost $1,200 to fly first class from Orlando to Atlanta and back. This is only a 45-minute flight each way, and by comparison, would only cost 200 to fly coach. Again, just to price-wise, $1,200 is still an expensive ticket, but back then, um, that was a lot of money. Mm, excuse me, think more like... Um, I think more like $5,000 per ticket for first class to by today's standards. I'm, I think I'm even shorting it on that one. So just, that's that's a lot of money, comparatively. So, 45-minute flight, by comparison, it was only 200 to fly coach. So I got caught up in the illusion trap. I was assessing the illusions around me without even realizing it, thinking to myself, look! Six people are signed up now. Maybe by start time there will be 12 or 15. If I spend 1200 bucks on this short flight, it's going to be a red letter day, not a pretty financial picture. I don't need to fly first class. And then the light went on in my head. Mike, you are a highly sought after, world class professional speaker. My dream and intended end result, I said to myself. And Mike, such folks don't fly coach, no matter who is on the other end of the flight. Flying coach as a wannabe professional speaker will not serve you in becoming the real deal. Then the coin dropped even farther. This was not just about me being tough with myself. This was not about saying, oh, dang it, I've got to walk the walk. You know I'm going to have to splurge on a first-class ticket. So I changed the self-talk to sound more like, whoa, first class, enjoy it. And realize, Mike, by making this demonstration, in spite of the illusions that now surround you, you are going to be forcing life's magic, the universe, to create circumstances where you are that highly sought-after, world-class professional speaker. Not only will you be given or infused with great content to share with your audiences, but your audiences will grow as your end result is made manifest. Don't use only logic and your physical senses to make all of your decisions. To clarify, I did have the money in this situation. I'm not saying you should spend money you don't have. But by purchasing that ticket and moving with my dreams, my first world tour's average audience size ended up being 70 people. My second world tour, which has now concluded, averaged 170 people. Incidentally, the attendance in Atlanta ended up being 35 people. This kind of playful acting, conditioning your behavior on your dream and not just basing it on the illusions, is pure power, 
even if sporadic or piecemeal, or only when you can afford it. So I'm going to back that one up before we start intro, uh, increasing trust in a relationship. When you're starting to do this, and I've mentioned this before, if you've spent a lot of time making this rut, it's going to be very difficult to get yourself back out of it. He was already booked for a quote-unquote world tour. All right, He was booked. He was being paid to go speak. Six people, one person, a thousand people, whatever. He does, of course, I'm pretty sure, you know, many more than 170 people in an audience now. But back then, I'm pretty sure that was, you know, that's him starting out and getting out there, getting noticed. And even though he already knew, knew how to manifest, right? He'd already had that epiphany moment. It had all already mostly clicked in his head. But here he was still having those moments of letting himself get caught up in what he calls the illusions. Reality, uh, uh, time, and space. Those are illusions because they are malleable. And I wanted to harken back to a point I made two podcasts ago now. John Asaraf's moving into the the house on his vision board. And then reading Mike Dooley's getting his first car. And I forget what I said, but I know I forgot to say this. It is a statistic, almost a statistical impossibility for those two instances to occur if thought were not able to manifest things. Because these were not like, these were not kind of, these were not almost, these were exactly what they had been focused on. For John Asaraf, it was the house, and then three years, three moves, and five years later, he moved into that house. That house. Similarly with Mike Dooley. He knew what car he wanted, he got a picture of the car he wanted, exactly what he wanted, and he focused on that. And lo and behold, that car. His dad could have had no other knowledge of it, that car. Or, excuse me, um, maybe not knowledge of it, maybe he saw it up in his room, but that also could be the universe working its magic. Because Mike Dooley himself did not go out and purchase that car. That car showed up, driven by his dad, to his graduation. The mathematical complexity behind that is unbelievably mind-boggling. That's, again, trillions of terabytes of calculations necessary for those things to happen in the way that they did. Alright, so he's already had those kinds of revelations by the time he's made it to his world speaking tour. And yet he's still sitting there in the airport getting hung up on the price of the first class ticket versus the coach. Alright. 
this is where I think some of us get into that uh, imposter, sim imposter syndrome. That seems to be a thing that goes around. We're not sure of ourselves. Yes? He had to remind himself, oh yeah, I can do the thing. And I can manifest it. And he did. He had six people before the flight. When he did get to Atlanta, it was 35. Now that's obviously not a huge crowd by huge crowd by today's standards or by the standards he's used to doing today but for a guy starting out to have 35 people come up and you know show up all right certainly 35 is much better than 6 35 is a respectable crowd especially if they're paying what $1000 per person it's a 5 hour class that's not too bad 35 $35,000 in a day? Sure. I don't know how much they paid, but um, you can pay that now for those things. So I don't know how much he made for the from these, but you know, obviously he considered it a world tour. It was called a world tour. He went went places, he traveled, he talked. He was doing exactly what he wanted to do. That's a good marker of success, but... Alright, did, did calculations necessary for those kinds of things to occur? It does make you think, it does make you wonder. Which is fantastic, because that's what stretches your mind. Okay, so... And again, he wants to reiterate, if you don't have the money... Don't splurge on the big items just yet. But change that self-talk to I can't wait to have it. Or um, I'm so glad it's going to be in my garage. Or I'm so glad I can drive it. Or whatever. Right? End result. End result. End result. End result. But don't quit your day job. And don't spend more than you have. Alright? If it takes splurging on McDonald's every once in a while to make you feel more wealthy do that I had a little sushi place um, that I used to go to before all of this hit where I would go and just be grateful and I would splurge and take care of me and it helped me feel a little bit more abundant right? I had an abundance of time that I could go and do that with. I had an abundance of money enough to afford the sushi and a uh, small hot sake on the side. Make them a little ritual if you want to. But get into that end result mindset. Okay. Increasing trust in a relationship. Maybe you're in a relationship where your partner hasn't always been totally honest or forthright with you. You could start guarding your heart and physically preparing for more of the same, but for the metaphysical reasons I've already shared, that will likely perpetuate their behavior. On the other hand, if you really want your partner to step up to the plate, if you want to raise the bar and maximize the probability that his or her behavior is going to improve, 
then you need to start acting with confidence in them. Acting as though you trust your partner and that they are trustworthy. Yep, you need to put your heart out there because nothing else will ensure a greater likelihood of improved behavior than you preparing to receive it. Raise the bar. He or she will see it and will intellectually or subliminally know what's going on. You're going to be inviting him or her to improve when you stop preparing for the worst. Bottom line, it's their life and they're going to do what they want. Their thoughts will become their things. But if you want to maximize your chances of seeing an improvement, prepare for it. Physically prepare for it. I'm going to add two caveats to that whole <clears throat> paragraph. Obviously, if the um, if the at-home situation has dissolved to a point where it's shouting matches all the time, maybe physical violence, please leave the situation, go seek help, remove yourself, that's toxic. But if you feel like there's still something there to work, I have also noticed this happens. You start doing things expecting them to meet you in kind, yes? And then they don't live up to that expectation. So you stop doing things as well as you used to, or as much as you used to. Let's say you just got tired of cooking dinner one time, right? You got tired of being the only one that ever cooks, so you just stop cooking. Maybe not all at once, but seven nights a week turns to six, and five, and four. You're hoping somebody else will, or you're hoping your partner will pick up the slack, and they don't. And they're kind of confused because they're not sure why you stopped. And of course, this goes back to communication, but it then starts to snowball. Now they're disgruntled because they're not eating as much. And so they do more things that are disgruntly, and then you're disgruntled because they didn't pick up with the expectation. And it just goes downhill from there. And of course that's a completely random out of the blue, but it happens. Those kinds of scenarios happen all the time. If you want to see an improvement in your partner, set an expectation in your head that every interaction with them is going to be one of... Hmm, how do I put this? Mutual love. You can trade any verb or adjective in there as much as you want to. But first, up the integrity in yourself. If you've stopped doing things that you used to do because you are tired of being the only one doing them, start doing them again. Start 
re-polishing the integrity of what your relationship started on. Because a lot of times we end up getting so used to each other and it's the day-to-day -day stuff. We stop doing the little things that made us fall in love with each other in the first place. And what you end up realizing as you're going about your life and you're reawakening the things that you used to do, sometimes you end up realizing that you might be doing this thing while the other person is picking up a chore or a task or something that you don't like doing. Or you're busy doing other things, so they've got to pick up that task. And then when you weren't holding up your end of the bargain, that made their task doubly hard. Which made them even more disgruntled. Back to perspective. So, if you're trying to find... Well, I'm not trying to find it. If you want to rekindle that trust in the relationship, and you can feel that it's starting to slip south, rekindle yourself. And I hope you understand and intuit the meaning behind rekindle yourself. find that zest for life again. And I'm, I'm not a relationship coach by any means, but we have been married now for ooh, almost 20 years. It's not always easy, but it is worth it. So we are going to pop off there today and tomorrow we'll come back with having a job you hate <laughs> I think everyone can uh, can appreciate that one having a job you hate so let's recap real quick so we went over increasing trust in a relationship and summoning abundance so remember never spend money you don't have Or if you have spent money that you don't have, you can go back and use that awesome uh, exercise from The Secret where she takes the bills and she doesn't open them until she's so excited that it's like a check. Then she takes the amount and she adds a zero on the end and she turns the bill into a check for whatever the zero ends up adding it to. So if the bill is for $120, that means means that bill became a check for $1,200. Now $120 easy to pay. Okay? If you're drowning in bills and are looking for a way out, that's a fantastic one. But, alright, even he got hung up after he was already booked to do a world tour speaking about this stuff. Even he got hung up. So don't be d too down on yourself, all right? You can have doubts, 
and still manifest, so long as you're being consistent. Okay? You can have doubts and still manifest, so long as you're being consistent. Alright, but he had his end result in his head. Mike, you are a highly sought-after, world-class professional speaker. Such folks do not fly coach, no matter who is on the other end of that flight. Right? Gotta change that salt off. Alright. So tomorrow we'll come back to having a job you hate. <laughs> and we're gonna do our two minute brain break. So go ahead and give yourself a little wiggle and get in a little stretch and we will we'll do that. Alrighty, go ahead and close your eyes, and let's take a nice, slow, deep breath in. Take another nice, luxurious deep breath in. And just let your awareness settle into the space. And breathe. And just be aware. As best you can of what occupies this space with you. Whatever furniture, objects, people, place itself, any noises or sounds, whether it's warm or cold, feel of the air pressure. Just become aware.
And when you're ready, open your eyes. Alrighty, guys. We will see you back tomorrow. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining. This is the podcast, Sassafras. Have a great rest of your night.